Clifton, how's everyone doing? Good. Let's give a worship team a round of applause. I saw you guys were wondering what this was about, eh? But <laughs> so uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Paul, and I'm part of the family here, and um, I lead, well not lead, well lead, part of the team of the kids' church, so that's why the kids' in me comes out with the Play-Doh, and uh, so you'll see it later. Um, so I'd like, I see a lot of visitors, first-time visitors, don't worry, I won't embarrass you to ask you to stand up, but we'll just give you a True Life Church welcome. <laughs> so, so we've been going through the book of Nehemiah, and uh, who's been around for that, most of you? And uh, so I've got Monopoly money as well. <laughs> Can we turn this on? I don't know. There we go. Alrighty. So I'm just going to recap a little bit. So those of you who don't know, we've been going through Nehemiah. And in the beginning, it's about Nehemiah and Ezra. And uh, they're building a wall. And we won't refer to another person who built a wall. <laughs> we leave that to Dylan. And um, so what, what happened was there, was, there was no church. There was no word of God preached for 141 years. And Nehemiah then decides to build the city walls to be able to gather the people in to, so they can actually hear the word of God again. And so for the first six chapters, you can see there's a lot of, there's a mission, but there's an opposition to the mission. And uh, so Nehemiah is going through all this stuff. So the opposition was external, and then there was internal. There were three guys that were constantly at his case, um, sending false accusations and publications and all these things. But Nehemiah... Straight, uh, stayed focused on the wall and uh, he said I'm not going to bother getting off the wall to go and have discussions with these guys God's put me um, is giving me this and ordained me for this mission so that's what True Life Church is about we're building our own city in our wall inside of Milton Keynes and I see a lot of parables or parallels should I say because Milton Keynes is the fastest growing city for the last what 12 years so the same way um, Jerusalem at the time that people were flooding back in and um, the whole idea was to get ready for the influx. So that's what we want to do. We want to get ready for the influx of new converts. And um, that's what we're about. We're about um, healing the brokenhearted, reaching the lost. So the Lord told me years ago, um, actually it was a prophet. I was at the, the airport and he said, I've called you to reach the lost, um, love the unlovable, reach the unreachable and touch the untouchable. And that's what we've got to do. So our motto um, at Real Life Church is no perfect people welcome. So if you, perf if you are perfect, <laughs> I don't know what you're doing here. So we welcome everybody and everybody, and we're going to journey along with you to help you see the redemption of Christ. So when you read the Bible, right, especially the Old Testament, you see Israel, the, um, the Israelites mess up, God restores them. They mess up, God restores them. And pretty much it's the same <laughs> in modern day times. We see one generation get on fire for the Lord, and then for some reason their children fall away. But that's not going to happen. We're breaking that curse. Um, <clears throat> so, um, we didn't do chapter 7, did we? Uh, so, recap quickly on chapter 7. Because there's a lot, it's a long list. That's why we skipped that one. But there is a key part in there where they built the wall. And then Nehemiah has to put people in place. Okay? And he actually says, I've chosen my brother and uh, Henai and, and a very similar name. So, and, um, but he goes, that he was my brother. He was faithful and feared the Lord. Isn't that interesting? My brother, and Tim's not here. 
Um, but the three of them were like brothers. And they're faithful and they fear the Lord. So you can see what Dylan's done here. He's created the three elders to overlook us, to, to, to shepherd us. And um, a part of that team as well is the next level of leadership from serving to the sound desk. We're all part. We're one big family. So that's all uh, chapter 7 is about, just focusing on the, the next thing. How do we grow this? Because you can actually see in the walls, the houses were still broken. But there was this influx. So then they started taking a register of all the people coming in. And then they started registering who's the cattle and the camels. And you think, why is that important? Well, you've got to think about it. You, there's, there has to be parking space for that camel. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, hopefully there's no Greenpeace people there because I say the camels will, you know, the poo would, you know, in the clouds and <laughs> carbon. <laughs> Sorry, I had to go there. I had to go there. So, um, <laughs> no. So um, if you go open your books up to Nehemiah, chapter 8. If you haven't got a Bible, it's up there. So I know we prayed, dude. I'm going to pray again. That's okay. Father, I just pray that uh, you give me a sensitive heart to hear your voice. I pray that uh, you tell me what to say, what not to say. I pray that you prepare every heart and mind here to receive your word. I thank you, Lord, that you watch over your word to perform it. And I thank you, Lord, that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And I thank you, Father, for, for your love and your mercy and your grace in Jesus' name. So, uh, chapter 8. <clears throat> when the seventh month came, the children of Israel were in their cities. Now all the people gathered together as one in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra, which is my daughter's name, she disappeared. <laughs> 18, by the way, today. So, uh, I thought I'd get that in there. Embarrass you. <laughs> there is cake at the back as well. So, um, so where was I? Oh, uh, distractions, yeah, sorry. And uh, so I'll go back there. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which is the law that uh, the Lord had commanded Israel. So uh, Ezra, the priest of the law, before the assembly of men, and woman, and all who could hear and understand on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read from it and opened the, in the open square, and it was in front of the water gate, the morning until midday, before the men and women of those who could understand. I found that quite interesting, the people that they had to understand the word of God. And all the people were attentive to the law of God. So you can understand what's happening. It's very dry today, sorry. So, you can understand, they, were, they preached, okay? Like I said, they hadn't had heard the word of God for um, 141 years. So, this was the first time. And uh, it said they preached from morning until midday. So, they did six hours of preaching. And you could actually see it. It actually said, and they all stood. So, not to let you guys feel out, we are doing a tag team. I'm doing the first hour. Then it's Brad. And then Dylan. So uh, to get started, could you all stand? No. <laughs> Imagine standing for six hours. So I want to ask you guys, what, what do you consider a long service? Six hours. <laughs> okay, so that's, that's good. Anyone said half an hour, you're probably a visitor. So, uh, but no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but no, there are those churches, you know, the drive through you know, stop at the first window, one fast, two slow songs. Next window, quick preach and you're out, you know. But we're not that type of service. We let the Holy Spirit go. And wherever the Holy Spirit says stop, we stop. But 
I see a couple of African brothers in here. Everyone been to an African church? That's like three hours long, isn't it? We can understand. So African church, you have a big breakfast, okay? Because you're going to be there the whole day. We, we moan when it gets to midday and you're like, it's lunchtime. Come on, Dylan. I need to eat. You know what I mean? I can see the cake at the back. They were eating. They would like the whole, honestly, I, I've got a, a lot of African pastors. And when you get there, that's why it's called, we call it African time. Because you can be late and still, still have three hours of church. But you've got to take snacks. It's <laughs> true, isn't it? So, yeah, you've got to do that. You've got to take snacks. And then it's like an hour of worship. And then you think it's the message. That's just the tithe. That's the first tithe. Because then you think, then there's another song during the, the offering. And then straight after that, there's another song. You're thinking, what's going on? And by this time, you're looking for your snacks. Think about it. You're looking for your snacks. You're going, oh, my goodness. And then the, the auntie comes out with, for a poem reading. And then it's the children coming out, the cute little children, and they come and do a, a sing and a song. And then you think, okay, it must be over now. But then there's another offering. Because the first offering was for Taz. This one's for the preacher. And then there's another one for the building. Come on now. We will be into those services. And it's like, oh my goodness. And then it's like, okay, we're over now. And then the teens come out. And they've got to do a dance. By this time, you're looking around going, Simon Cal must be here. Uh, this must be Africa's Got Talent. <laughs> so we've all been there. So Some of you are laughing harder than others, you know. Because <laughs> you haven't been there. We, we, we went to a conference, Gal and I, uh, when we first arrived, fresh off the boat in Birmingham. And uh, the first night was 7 o'clock start. I think it was like 6 o'clock registration, and then you get your teas and coffees and your snacks. And um, literally at 10 o'clock after the preach, I'm like, okay, that was a good sermon. Because I thought he was preaching on money. That was the tithes, an offering message. And he goes, okay, now we can get on to the message. I'm like, I'm going home. <laughs> so we left. It was like, I'm like, we'll, we'll get out of here by 11 o'clock. And then you still got to catch the bus to the hotel. So, yeah, no, we understand, understand the pain of these people, yeah, six hours. So, uh, <laughs> so we get back to Nehemiah 8. We are on uh, verse 4 now. So Ezra the scribe stood on the platform of wood, which they had made for the purpose, and beside him at the right hand, I'm not going to try and read all those names. I'll just embarrass myself. We'll go to number five. Sorry. <laughs> you can just read them up there. And then uh, number five was, Ezra opened the book in the sights of the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And then all the people answered, Amen and Amen, while lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So we're going to try that. Because it's not, where's Drew? My brother Drew, he's American. He's normally the loud one going, come on, Dylan, preach. And then there's Brad as well. So rather than just the two of them, on the, we're going to say amen, amen, on the count of three. So that we can all get into the, the thing already. One, two, three. Amen. amen. Yeah, see, Brad, you're not alone. You know? <laughs> so sometimes there's an amen, sometimes there's an ouch. So that's gonna, today's message is an amen and an ouch. I'll wait for the ouch. You'll, you'll know where the ouch is, okay? So we, uh, <laughs> I'm just preparing you. So you can see the people were excited for the word and they shouted amen, okay? We need to, you know, what I see in the world today is pastors, Christians, and churches, we haven't made the word of God a priority. 
Because like them, they were shouting, Amen. They couldn't, if you can just imagine, they hadn't heard the word of God for 141 years. They were so excited to finally hear the word of God. And they went through the first five books of the Bible. And they were like, come on, preach it. Amen, yay. And they worshipped and they, and they feared the Lord and they bowed down. So, but I find in today's modern world, the pastors and the teachers have kind of taken the word and just shoved it to the side. So the title of my message today is Make God's Word Great Again. So we got to, we got to make it the foundation. Without the Word of God, we live in a Christian judo society. The Western world is based on that. And the more we take it out of our schools, the more we take it out of society, the more truth decay there is and moral decay then we can, and we look and we go, what's happened? We've got a whole generation that's lost. Their identity is lost. We've got people just like living in sin. You swipe left and swipe right. There's just craziness going on. So let's focus on keeping the word of God a priority. I know so many churches and church leaders that are now questioning the Bible. There was a seeker-sensitive movement in the late 90s, early 2000s, and then there was the emerging church movement. Ooh. And... Um, Honestly, I just think to myself, there was so much compromise, and there's a great quote that says, compromise is the welcome mat to deception. So the more we compromise, the more deceived we get. And the problem with deception is you don't know you're deceived. You think you're living in the true, and we're living in a time of a great apostate, a great falling away. The falling away doesn't mean they're just walking away. They think they're living in the truth, but they've fallen away from the truth. These guys are questioning the deity of Christ, the virgin birth, the death, death and resurrection. They're questioning heaven and hell. So I don't know if you, if you guys, any of you have done the partnership course, but we, we talk about the open hand or, or the closed hand and the open hand. So there's certain doctrines that we believe are in the closed hand. There's no arguing about it. And then there's other doctrines that are open hand. So it could be, you know, the rapture, it could be any of these things. But I see the church, this, they both hands are open. They're like, whatever you want to do, just love people. And we've got to get back to going, hold on, these things are the open hand need to come back into the closed hand. So if you haven't done the partnership course, um, it's not the reason, but one of the reasons we do it is because some people were journeying with TLC and six months later, they oh, I didn't realize that's what you stood for. So we want to get it out of the way so that we're not wasting your time. You, you're never wasting our time because we love you regardless. But we don't want to waste your time if you are going, actually, we don't agree with that. Because that's like, for us, that's in the closed or the open hand. So I encourage you to find out about the partnership course. Um, Bill and Willem, I think, as well, and Brad do it. And it's so encouraging to know where we stand as a church, and that is on the Word of God. Yeah. So, if you could turn to 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. All right, so all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's what we believe, okay? We believe the Word of God is God-inspired. It's there to rebuke us, to correct us, to love us, okay? You can read a hundred books, okay? But this is the only book that can read you. Think about that, okay? Um, my, my girls have done um, Dickens and Shakespeare, and then they have to do a connotation on what they think he meant. But we have the privilege of actually knowing the author when we read it. 
So imagine sitting down with I don't know who you like, Francine Rivers, and sitting down and go, "What do you mean? What do you th think about that character? What are you, what were you writing there?" We've got that privilege when we get born again, we get spirit filled. We can go, "Holy Spirit, as I open up Your Word, show me what You want for my life." Because it's like a mirror. We'll go. I'm going to teach on that, and you'll see how much. I mean, this this is one of my favorite books, and my favorite chapter. But even I was going. It's like an onion. The Word of God is like an onion. You take the first layer and you think you know it. And you're like, I've read this book so many times. And then this week, even this morning, I was like, oh my goodness, that, that's amazing. And you're sitting there with the author and the author's going, think about that. Think about this. And it's just mind-blowing when you can actually do that. Yeah. And uh, so I like to say the Bible, B-I-B-L-E, because that's the children's church coming out of me. It's basic instructions before leaving earth. It's like a manual to life. It really is. If you've got a car, you get a manual for that car. If you've got a piece of technology or whatever, you don't be like Ben and just, I'll, I'll wing it, okay? <laughs> I'm picking on you, Ben, sorry. But you wouldn't look at a Samsung manual for an iPhone. You've got to use the manual that's for that product. And we are products of God. He made us. He created us. So we've got to then go, this is the manual. How am I supposed to live my life? And then we wonder. Because if you obey the word, you get blessed. If you, don't, if you disobey the word, you don't. And then you wonder, what's, what's my life a mess? Well, you're not following the God's word. Let's get back to the word. <clears throat> um, so we, we've also got um, hermeneutics. You, most of you guys, some of you may know hermeneutics. Brad is probably, and, and where's Diervolt? That's a good. So I would say for a good 20 years, I had never heard of the word hermeneutics. And it's isogesis, exogesis. So it's not a, a Jesus with a J. It's got nothing to do with Jesus. It's with a G. Isogesis is looking into the word, and exogesis is reading out, okay? And it's very important because you can, if you're reading into a word, you can make up your own thing based on your own life experience and your own hurt, and then you come up with weird doctrines. Exogesis is going, basically, who's the author? Who's the audience? When was it written? And then read it that way, and you, you, you'll, you can do a, his, um, a look at history and things like that. So the example I like to do or use is Lily Allen. Anyone old enough to know Lily Allen? She was a singer in the 90s. No? Okay. So she was a singer from London in the 90s. And uh, she had a song. I can't remember the name of it. But it said, I'll know when I've made it when I've looked into the sun and the mirror. I saw Jesus would go, oh, she was a maybe spiritual into mysticism. And she looked into the sun and the mirror to see mirror, mirror on the wall whether she's made it. It's not actually that. When you, when you take exogesis, going, well, she, Lily Allen, was, she was a singer-songwriter in London in the 90s. What was going on at the time? Um, oh, the sun and the mirror were, were uh, tabloid newspapers. And the journalists would write junk about you and gossip about you. And her, all she was saying is, I know I, I've made it as a celebrity when I look into those two tabloid newspapers and they're writing about me. Okay, so that's the same thing. That's a good example of isogesis, exogesis. So the same thing, we can read the Bible. Good Bible hermeneutics would go, okay, who's the author? Because sometimes you hear people, oh, it contradicts itself. You shouldn't have tattoos and, you know, men shouldn't have long hair and all this stuff. But if you take everything through the cross, something happens at the cross. It either stops, changes, or uh, it, there's something new. So we no longer need to make sacrifices. Okay, we don't have to, South Africans, we still like to bry our lambs, but that's not a sacrifice, okay? And, uh, but, <laughs> don't go to Dylan's house for a bry, because he, hey, welcome, welcome. There's the tongs, I'm busy. 
<laughs> there we go. We can have an amen there. You see, you've been there. Yeah. <laughs> All of leadership. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I came to your house. Why am I got the tongs? <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so we take it to the cross and then we go, is it still relevant? And there is things in the Old Testament that is still relevant for today. And some things have changed. So that's making sure that you're reading it with the right eyes, okay? And that you don't get confused. Because if you read Galatians, uh, it's not in my notes, I'm just... Uh, Galatians, there's, uh, Paul talks about um, there's too much legalism and you have this grace. And when you read it, it's like almost preaching this hyper-grace message. You're like, you can just do whatever. And you're like, oh, what's going on there? And then you read Jude, and then that author's going, be careful of these guys preaching grace because they they false teachers and they're just preaching this hyper-grace. You're thinking, well, is it contradictory? And, and it's not. Because one, you've got to see who was the author, who was the audience one was living in legalism and we have to do this we have to do that so he preached grace to them these guys were just like woohoo everything's a party and then you had to bring in some law some structure there because i think if, um in, in jude it says some you have to you know clench out of the fire with a bit of hellfire and brimstone preaching others you need to love so you got to ask the holy spirit how does this person need to be reached um gal and i had a friend he was a hindu and um he was brought up in a very horrible, abusive um, family back in India. Uh, I won't even go into detail because there's kids here. And uh, he, he, he had to escape. And he came to London and he got, he got a, a, a preached at, at a, at a service. And um, they were preaching, I, I can't remember what it was, but on the way out, he ran out. He goes, if God's full of love, why have I gone through all this stuff? And um, he shoved it in, he was studying to be a nurse, and he shoved it in the bin. In the middle of the night, he just felt the, the presence and the love of God. And um, he ended up getting saved. And he was in Hounslow, and um, he ended up having a ministry to the homeless. But like filthy, filthy. You, they hadn't had a bath in, in about a year. Their socks, as you're taking their socks off, their skin would just rip off. And he would get in the shower with them and, and, and shower them. And he just loved them. He died of a heart attack. And we went to his funeral. It was a small church, about 100. There must have been about 600 people. There was queues everywhere. Because what he did impacted the whole world. But if he had had a hard message, he didn't want that. He needed to know love. But then you know somebody else who's, who's living a certain life. And he needs a hard message. So we got to go. It's not one for all. Okay, we got to go. This guy needs love. This guy needs you know, slap on the ear. And uh, <laughs> it needs some hard-hitting stuff, okay? So, uh, Lily Allen. Okay, so let's go to getting up my, oh my goodness. What's, we need a bigger thing here. Ooh, ooh. Right, I got some Monopoly money here. Well, actually, it's not Monopoly. It's real money. Come on, Brad. This is a real 10 pound note. You want it? Actually, you, you take it all. That's the good stuff. You can actually buy a mortgage. What do you reckon? Are you going to believe me it's real? It's not real. You know, straight away you know it's not real, do you? But if I gave you the, something that looked real, okay? I had, I had a friend who was a bank manager, and she said they had to go through training and uh, to know how to feel if the money was real. And then they would put it under the light, and there was a certain light, and they had a pen. But after a while, they would, wouldn't even have to, just by looking at it straight away, they knew it was fake. And then some of them were still learning the way and they had to feel it if it was fake. Well, the same thing as the Word of God, okay? There's so much counterfeit stuff out there. But until you have the Word inside of you and you've 
touched and felt and seen the truth, you're not going to know the counterfeit. So it's up to us to get the word inside of us so that we know when someone's you know, pulling the wool over our eyes. And the Holy Spirit will tell you as well. I remember um, my sister-in-law was staying with us. Uh, she used to come to us every weekend before the kids came. And um, we were upstairs, Gal and I, and she had the TV on. And we both, something happened in my spirit. I had a check. It was like, uh, oh my goodness, this doesn't... And I looked at Gal and she went, yeah, I've also got it. So I thought, what is she watching downstairs? I expected a horror movie or something. And we walked down, and as the closer I got, I couldn't really hear what was going on, so I wasn't being judgmental. I'd never even heard of the preacher. And my spirit was like, this is counterfeit. This is not right. And uh, I won't mention names because I'll probably offend some people because you've probably watched him or read his book. And um, we sat on the couch and watched for five minutes, and we were like, my goodness. But everyone at the time, my close friends, were like, you've got to listen to this guy. They were giving me CDs back in the day. And I was like, no thanks. And uh, it's just crazy. But the more you read the word for yourself, um, Paul talks about be a good Berean. Have you read that scripture? See, the Berean said, hey, Paul, we know who you are. We know you missed a big shot. We know you've got a million followers on social media. We know you've got 10 books. We know you've got your private jet. We know you on God TV, etc. But we want to just check in the word what you're saying is true. And we need to do that. We need to get back to what is he saying, not what that famous preacher is saying. Because we get so caught up in what that guy's saying, and we just take it in, take it in. Yeah. And we've got to go back and go, mm, I'm not too sure about that. And sometimes you could be wrong. Yeah. And that's why we get together and go, I'll bounce ideas off Dylan and Brad and go, okay, I'm not too sure about that. What do you think? And, um, and, and that's, as, as part of family, we can't, and that's how we, get, how we, how we uh, avoid being uh, in error or becoming a heretic because we can talk to one another and we're accountable. I don't know if you understand, there's lots of different ways. This is another, I'm taking a, sorry, a detour here. And that is, if you look at TLC, it's a group of elders led by, an, by a lead elder. And that's how church should be. This is, this is what I believe, okay? But for four, far too long, we've gone a pastor, a senior pastor, a social pastor. Dylan's not a pastor. He's an apostle. You won't call him that. But an apostle, if you don't, if, if, if I hold my hand up, this little finger is what I call the teacher because it can dig into little things. Okay, I'll only dig into that, that hole. Okay? I won't dig into any other holes. Yeah? Um, okay? This is your gentle finger. It's your pastor. This one is your long finger, which, so it extends out. In other words, what is it? Evangelist. This is your pointy finger. Which one is it? The prophet. Your thumb is your apostle. Why? Because your thumb is the only one that can touch all the other fingers. Because the apostle has the gifting of a prophet, a teacher, a pastor. But he won't emphasize in one of those. So what he's good at, he's good at appointing people and going, okay, I need you to be the pastor. I need you to be the, the, the evangelist. And the apostles will understand all, four of, all, all five of those ministries where, unfortunately, evangelists go, well, you're not winning the lost enough because you're just a pastor. You just want to love them. And then the teacher would go, well, you're just pastoring them. You're not teaching them. And, and then the, the other... The prophet's going, well, just, just preach the future. Just, just prophesy into their lives. Don't worry about the pastoral stuff. You know, just hit them hard between the eyes and then just let them do their thing. So where the apostle goes, no, guys, we work together. It's collaborative teamwork. And it's, that's what it says in the Bible. It's therefore equipping the saints. One person can't do that. It's all of us to do that. And we, we, we follow the apostle. Because you see, Paul was the apostle. 
And then when you say the church of Corinth, it wasn't just one building. It was like saying the church of Milton Keynes, the church of Bedford. And then they went home to home. And there were different apostles around looking after different churches. And each home um, had a pastor. In fact, I think, this is my opinion, oh, Brad will correct me later. And um, the evangelist and the pastor shouldn't be in the church. Because the pastor should be out visiting people. And the evangelist should be out on the streets evangelizing. It's almost like the prophet and the teacher should be in the church because they're prophesying over the church and teaching the word of God to the people. So, yes, we, have, we allowed the evangelists to come in. and you know. So, rather, no, no, you shouldn't be on a Sunday. You should be on a church. So there was a church in Florida, South Africa, based in Florida. And that's what they used to do. They didn't have a normal service. On the, on the Sunday, the evangelists and the pastors were out evangelizing. And then anybody, any new converts would come on the Sunday service. So if you were more than three months saved, you were out on the streets on the, on the Sunday. So like, and, and that's how they used to do it. So um, that's an interesting model. So um, the importance of the word. So we're talking about the bank, man, the bank manager. Don't go with my money, okay? I need that money. Times are tough, okay? <laughs> so was Jesus in the Bible real? Who wrote the Bible and can we trust it? And I'm going to say straight up, I am not a Bible scholar. I am not a historian. So I'm not going to give it justice, okay? I'm looking at someone else here. But <laughs> there may be someone else who's also not a historian, but a subject she loves. But And um, so I'm going to say, when it comes to proving the Bible wrong, it's, it's called apologetics, okay? And uh, there's some great guys out there. I would say, if, you, if you're still questioning and you're in that place, a great book is called Case for Christ by Josh McDowell. His son is now Sean, Sean McDowell, and he's following in his father's footsteps. But if you don't read the book, there's, it's on Prime, Prime uh, TV. If you actually go into Google, Christian movies, there's loads of great ones. Re Redeeming Love by Francine Rivers is, is great as well. Um, but Case for Christ, he was an atheist, and for two years he went around trying to prove the Bible wrong. Jesus didn't exist. And he went around and found all these things, all these authors and documentations and archaeology findings proving it time and time and time again. So like I said, I was going to touch on a few things. Uh, Talus in 52 AD, uh, there's no um, writings at the moment. However, Julius Africanus, another historian, um, 100 years later found and spoke about and describes a place where there was a world of darkness and a great earthquake at the time of the crucifixion. Again, these guys weren't even Christians or they were atheists. But the fact that they wrote about it proves there was something similar what was written in the scriptures. Um, Cornelius Tacticus in 56 AD, he was around the time with Emperor Nero, and he discusses Pontius Pilate and the persecution of the saints. Again, what, what we see in the, in the Bible. There's, there's loads of these, these um, historians and stuff out there if you look for them. In fact, there's more evidence to talk about Jesus than there is about Caesar. But we don't know, won't, the people won't tell you that. Um, and then archaeology findings, just a few. 1961, they found a, um, a Pilate inscription, and it's been uh, carved out in stone. There was something called the Taylor Prism, which was like this clay cylinder, which was also carved out in stone. Um, David's inscription, the, Mobat, uh, the Moabite stone, all these things. If you go back, and you can even YouTube it, and you'll see these these uh, archaeology findings, and there's more and more now coming out. There's even evidence where they believed where the Israelites crossed the Red Sea. They found chariots in, in, the, in the ocean bed. 
they believe they found Noah's Ark in Turkey because they went and measured, you know, x x amount of cubits by cubits, and then this this archaeologist went there and got permission from the Turkey government, and they literally it was exactly the same where the Ark would be, and it's time and time again there's more and more um, scrolls and scribes, and y there's no doubt in my mind that that is there, you know, that it, that is real. So. Um, some metaphors of the Bible. If you go to Hebrews 4, verse 12. Over there? Okay. Um, maybe I have a different translation. But For the word of God is living and active and full of power. I've done the Amplified. Making it operative, energizing, and effective. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating the soul, the spirit. Okay? The, the, both the joints and the marrow, the deepest parts of the nature, exposing and judging our very thoughts and intentions in our heart. That's an ouch. Thank you, sister. Thank you, sister. Think about it. That's powerful. I don't know about you. I've been saved now 30 years, and I'll still read the Bible, and I'm like, oof, mm, ouch. I'm like, okay, I need to get my act together. Now, it says, um, I don't think I've given you this one, Jeremiah 20, 23. It says, the the word of God is like a hammer which shatters like a rock. I think you got this one, James 1, 23. Okay, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man looking at his natural face in the mirror. For he sees himself and goes away immediately and forgets what kind of man he was. Now, I don't use the mirror much because I don't need to. But uh <laughs> Except when my daughter picks it up, she goes, Dad, you got another hair, it just popped up somewhere. And I was like, Dad, and I'm, we're driving to gym, and she's like, okay, you need to do your eyebrows, Dad. And I'm like, I don't look in the mirror anymore. I don't, don't, didn't think I need to. And then, uh, yeah, so, but, <laughs> so, I've got a lovely wife, I don't need to. Once you've got the fish on the hook, you don't need the bait. No, no, sorry. <laughs> I'm going to get hit later. No, so it is like a mirror. And what it is, we've got to look into it and go, and it is, you, you, you fix your hair if it's wrong, or you pop that chorb, or all the teenagers, all, they're not even, yeah, are they? And, uh, and then we go away and we forget. But that's what, we've got to go back to the Word and go, what do you want to work on me today, Lord? But the thing is, it's not about looking at yourself all the time and going, what am I wrong? How do I fix this? And then you get into this law and this whole thing of how do I change myself? Honestly, my biggest, uh, how do I word this? My biggest, not the biggest, one of, a word of advice is don't focus on what you shouldn't be doing. When you're focusing on the things you should be doing, you don't have time to do the things you shouldn't. So fill yourself with what you should be doing. There's this nature. There's this nature. It's like people who give up smoking. And then for ages, they, you can see their finger tapping because they've been set free, delivered from smoking, but that, this habit of having something in their mouth. So it's renewing the mind. That's why I said in, in, when we did the Exodus thing, getting Egypt out of you. You are set free, but it's about renewing your mind. Romans 2 says, do not be conformed to the ways of the world, but you know, be con transformed by the renewing of your mind. So it's a daily thing. And the only, we, only way we can do that is constantly looking in the mirror, the mirror of his word. There's another one that says, um, cleanse yourself in the washing of the word. So it's again, it's like water. And it's constantly washing us. Uh, the fourth one, 1 Peter 2. I don't know if I got that one. Like newborn babies, long for pure milk and the word. So by it, you may grow in the respect to salvation. Is that what you got there? 
grow up in salvation. So it's a game thing. When you first get born again, you just, it's the small things. It's the milk, constant milk of the word. And then later on it says, get into the meatier things. Okay? So the Bible isn't vegan. No, sorry. <laughs> so, but it is. So with the babies, I know we've got my, my godson is here at the back somewhere. Oh, he's in there. Okay. My little godson. Um, he's still on milk. He's only like four months old, and um, when he gets older, you start on the, the meteor thing. So it's the same thing when you got born again. You 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 get around people, and actually, in in later on in the chapter, you see once they've got the elders in, in place, then he gets the home group leaders in place, because it's constantly when you're a baby Christian, you then go into a home group, and then you start to learn from the word, and the, and then slowly wean you off the milk onto the the meteor stuff. And then you then you go into Diabol's home group, and that's where you get the meat. And I heard, yeah, Dylan was saying that they had the home group, um, and what what we're doing in the home group is Dylan, wh whoever's preaching on that chapter, then in the home group you discuss it a little bit further, which is actually what they did in Nehemiah eight. And uh, so Diabol's he the same as Dylan, they've got a theology degree and a master's degree, and so they love to dig down dig deep into the word. And honestly, when, when you get around these guys. Your head just goes poop, you know, because you're like, wow, I didn't see that. I didn't see how this one relates to that one and, and, and things like that. So last one is a lamp that shines. Psalm 119. I, I did this one last because it's like I'm passionate about this one. The word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. Just think about that. This is how we should live our lives. By the word of God. See, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When you've got the word of God in front of you, the path is straight. You're not stumbling over things. When you're in darkness, in other words, you're not saved. You're stumbling and going, I can't get over this. Why am I always with the wrong person? I'm, I'm, I'm always getting myself into trouble. I'm always in the wrong relationship. Um, I was speaking to Dilbert earlier, and we were saying there's a study out at the moment. Well, it's been out for 70 years, actually. It's a longitudinal study. And the founders actually passed away now. And they've just handed it on. And the whole thing was about looking at happiness and um, health. And they looked at diet. They looked at exercise. And over years, the, the key thing was the quality of your relationships. So it wasn't about diet. It wasn't about exercise. It's about the relationships you have. And that's what True Life Church is about. We, it's about relationships. And if you, if you hear that every week, probably. We want to connect. We want to build family. Now, it's up to the elders to work out how we navigate that as we get bigger. Um, but we want, to, we want to grow and impact the city, but we want to keep that small family feel because that's what we've become. We've become a family. So, hey, I need a sofa moved. Can you help me? Can I do this? Um, I've got another friend that Dylan knows, also Dylan. <laughs> he's building a no, – Sean knows him. He's, he's converting his garage into a kitchen, but he hasn't got a, a door yet. So he phones me, he goes, my kitchen's arrived, we have to shove it through the window. <laughs> and I'm like, dude. And he goes, and he's got this big American fridge. I'm like, that's not going through the window, but <laughs> you're going to have to keep it in the house until you've built everything and then we'll get it through the, the door that wins you've got a door. But he goes, you know, he's not, he, he'll get saved. We, we're believing for him to get saved. And... Um,
Sorry. <clears throat> when you love people, you don't want them to go to hell. Especially good people. And people like him and a few others that I'm in a group with, um, they're just loyal. They're faithful. They're there. Let's meet up for breakfast. Let's go for a coffee. Let's do whatever. And that's doing life together. And that's what we need to do. So for me, I'm like, these guys need to get saved because they're ready on the doorstep. And um, that's what it's about. Sorry. So, <clears throat> okay, this is the ouch part. Ready? Tighten your seatbelts. <laughs> Let me take a deep thing of water. So, thank goodness there's no more stoning in the New Testament, is there? <laughs> so, anyway, you're my heart. When I, this next part, you're my heart, okay? And you're true love's heart. And I've said this before, I say it almost every time I preach, there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. We're not here to judge you, we're not here to condemn you. We love you enough to tell you the truth, okay? And that's the bottom line. Someone who warns you and tells you the truth in love is better than a friend who stabs you in the back or lies to you because, it, you know, if, if I'm honest, sometimes people are so selfish that they'd rather tell you what, you need, what they think you want to hear than the truth, and that's not helpful at all. So, um, you're my heart, you're our heart, when I, this next part, okay? So, the modern church is not only postmodern in its thinking, but it's now become post-Bible. With the church's moral compass broken, it's no surprise that the world's moral compass is completely missing. There's now a Queen James Bible. It's a complete mockery of Jesus and his word. We are no longer expected to tolerate sin, but we're now expected to celebrate it for a whole month. Gone all quiet. Gone all quiet. Satan is now wanting to groom our kids, brainwash them, and tell them they're in their wrong bodies. Love does not mean tolerance and acceptance. Love says repent. The opposite of repentance is tolerance. I heard a story of a pastor debating some progressives. And they said, you just got to love. Just love people. That's all you got to do is love. And if you love us, you've got to tolerate us. So he said, okay, I'm a Christian. Do you love me? Oh, yes, yes, we love you. He goes, okay, do you tolerate me and my views of the Bible? No, definitely not. He goes, well, then you lost the debate. You want us to tolerate, but you don't want to tolerate. We can't have it both ways. Okay, so I know it's hard. See, Satan has changed the name of sin to make it adaptable and acceptable. We are living in strange times. Dylan mentioned last week about that maps. Those of you who weren't here, there's a teacher that's been recorded on a, on a phone in, by a bunch of students going, you don't call them pedophiles, you call them minor attracted persons. And then the teachers kicked off, the students kicked off and said, no, no, they're pedophiles. How dare you judge somebody who wants to have sex with a five-year-old? Really? I'll judge them. Touch my, one of my kids, I'll judge you. <laughs> See, we're living, we're living in a time where language is key. The progressives have changed language to make it more acceptable. Pedo to minor-attracted person. Killing babies to pro-choice. Sex trafficking and exploitation to adult entertainment and porn. Adultery to swinging or open marriage. Genital mutilation to transitioning. 
See, we've made, they've made good and evil political. This is not about being political. It's about being holy and righteous and downright evil. Sin is now addiction or sickness. So instead of us getting convicted, we get offended and call it hate speech. Well, at least give me an ouch. <laughs> if you love something, you will have to hate what it hurts. Okay? If you love something, you will have to hate who or what it hurts or harms. If you love children, you're going to hate, you have to hate child traffickers, pedos, and abortion. God loves you so much that he'll take you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. So I'm not judging you. If you've had an abortion, we are not judging you. All I'm saying is you are still welcome, you're still accepted, but you can't expect us to celebrate what you're doing. Okay? We need to, uh, um, like I said earlier, our motto here is no perfect people welcome. However, we can't be expected to celebrate your sin. We don't stay in our brokenness because God is there to restore us and to deliver us. We serve a, a great God that redeems us. The whole story is about redemption. He pursues us with his love. He's constantly looking for a reason to draw, him, draw us to him. He's not looking for a reason to condemn you. He's constantly looking right through the Bible. There was all these laws. We couldn't keep them. So then Moses brought the 10 down. We couldn't keep those. So then he, later on he goes, okay, I'll just give you two. Love your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and, and love your neighbor as yourself. If we just keep those two, we'll keep all the commands. But like I said, in, in, it's your heart thing. In, in the Bible, says Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. If you're under law, it's like, well, if you do this for me, then you'll... Then you love him. No, no. When you fall in love with him, and you can't help it because he first loved you. Because he first loved you, he places his spirit in you, which helps you to love him back. Then you can't help but to keep his law. I don't do the dishes and the dishwasher for my wife because I'm under law. I do it because I love her. It's not a, I do put up a men at work sign to get some brownie points. Come on, guys. You've done it. When you've entered the dishwasher, you tell your wife about it. I've done this today. I've done that today. <laughs> I'm a good boy, and then pats on the head. You know what I mean? We all do it. We, we get the brownie points. You know what I mean? We, we get them wherever we can. And Dylan's going, what are you talking about? I'm not, I just do it because I love my wife. <laughs> so about, about six years ago, a friend of mine, he invited me to this home group. And uh, it was a men's only home group, and we would make food, and, and then we would chat. And we did some, there was some wonderful Bible studies. We did, uh, we went through Francis Chan, one of his Bible studies, amazing, amazing book. And, and uh, so the host of the house, he was an elder at another church. My friend was a home group leader of another church. Another guy was a home group leader at that church and an elder, another one, an elder at that church. And then there were two guys who didn't go to church. They got saved at the Alpha course. And um, a wonderful few months. And then one day, one of the studies was, does the Bible say homosexuality is a sin? And I was like, is that even a question? Of course it is. Why don't we discuss how we reach those people? How do we reach them and love them? How do we transform their lives? How do, let's, let's discuss that. And I was the only one. There was like nine of us there. I was the only one that said the Bible said it's a sin. And I was like, you guys are joking, right? Uh, Romans, you know, Corinthians. And uh, it carried on. And they went quiet. And I'm thinking, Lord, how do I get across to these people? And uh, I said, we, we used to have these socials every two months. So I said, hey, guys, sorry to disturb. I think I'd like to arrange the next social. 
And I went, okay, what's that? I went, there's a new strip club in the town centre. And they looked at me similar to like most of you are looking at me. <laughs> They're like, what? And I said, yeah, yeah. I said, we've all been married a while. Nice to see some other naked ladies. And, you know, who knows? We could even commit adultery. And by this time, they were horrified, like most of you are. <laughs> and they went, you're not serious. And I went, well, why not? I said, if you can pick and choose which sin we remove from the Bible, why can't I pick and choose? You basically made the word of God, the Bible, a buffet. You've gone, it's all in the same scripture, the same verse, when he talks about thieves, adulterers, fornicators, da, 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 but you've just chosen that one. Don't worry, I'm picking on everyone today, so don't worry, I'll get to you. So they went, oh, you're not one of those Christians that believes the whole Bible, you know, because it was written, you know, at that time. So it's not really relevant today, because who are we to judge two men that like each other and love each other? I said, I'm not judging them, but yeah, I am one of those Christians. You don't believe in Adam and Eve? And I went, yeah. They went, no, no, they were fictional. I said, so where do we come from? You just all of a sudden, boop, a whole, a whole group of people. So you don't believe in Adam and Eve? And they went, no, 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 no. So you can't believe the whole Bible. And I said, okay, yeah, you're probably right, because I don't believe in the resurrection. I said, the disciples rolled the stone away and then stole Jesus. Really? I went, no. Again, if you can pick and choose, why can't I? And this went on for a while, you know, and then about two weeks later, I said, dude, I'm out of here. And I was very honest. I said, I love you guys, but if I'm honest, you guys need to go back to your Bible. I don't think I'm going to see you in heaven. And it was just, so I wasn't welcome back, I don't think. But uh, I still stayed friends with them. Um, And it's funny enough, the new converts, the ones from the Alpha course, WhatsApped me afterwards and said, please come back. You're the only one that's talking truth and sense. These other guys have lost their mind. I bumped into one of them the other day, and he goes, can we meet up? Because you're the only one that's sticking to the Bible. When I read the Bible, that I'm agreeing with you. I don't know what Bible they're reading. First Imaginations or something. You know, it's just crazy. Um, the, the, the scary thing, there's a prominent speaker, prominent, he's a bar, uh, pastor, author, very prominent on TV, multiple campuses, and I was watching something this, well, probably a month ago, and um, this is the story. He goes, this, this couple were in church, and um, uh, the husband decided to have an affair with another man, so they got divorced, and then the husband brought his male lover with to church, and the wife was like, no, 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 this is our church. You defiled our marriage, you go find another church. And he rebuked the wife for not being loving and understanding. But he goes, don't worry, we've got another campus. So they go to the other campus, and he goes, it was wonderful, because they strayed in, they were on the welcome team just serving, but then a few weeks later, I found out his new lover is still married to his wife. So they were committing adultery. So I had to ask him to step down. I'm like, so hold on. You, gotta, you, don't, have a, <laughs> you, you don't have a problem with, with the, the one thing, but you had a problem with that thing. All sin is equal. You know, w- since when do we go bad sin, good sin? That's an acceptable sin. This one's not so acceptable. When do we, when do we get to that point? So we should treat all sin, including all, including, sorry, we should treat all sin equally, including sexual sins. So I'm going to pick on everybody now. We accept fornication in Christian circles too easily, but we need to aim for holiness. We live in a hookup culture where we try before we buy. We swipe left or swipe right. See, when you're a single man, you view things very differently when you're a dad with two daughters, and I've got two daughters. All of a sudden, I'm going to ask you guys, you single guys, 
going to the future, you've got a daughter, and your daughter came home with a guy like you, would you be happy? Ladies, if you've got a son, would you be happy with the, the, the lady that your son brings home if they were like you? I'm hoping you all say yes, but you don't have to answer me. So, single men, you want the benefits of marriage without the commitment and responsibility. You shouldn't be dating unless you're thinking of marriage because you just kind of land up in heartache and pain and brokenness. My girls will tell you that. She's 18, never had a girl boyfriend. Girlfriend. <laughs> and uh, we just said, don't waste your time you, you, um, in school. Once you finish school, once you're 18, you're an adult, then go for it. You know, but don't waste your time. Years of dating, dating, and then the guy's just keeping you on, keeping you on with not going anywhere because, he, because he's taking his baggage. And another thing, ladies and gents, don't be unequally yoked. Please don't be unequally yoked. And what I mean is don't waste your time with a non-believer. I see this. I was a, we were, Gal and I were uh, youth pastors. There's Sophie, she'll probably tell you. I just say to them, don't, don't, please. And there's my brother from another mother. She's married to a South African. It's a good choice. <laughs> and um, so, and I used to say to them, don't waste your time with the non-believers. We'll just be heartache. And I won't, you, I won't say the name, but you'll know who I'm talking about. And um, I'm going to get him saved. I love him. I'm going to get him saved. And then I'm like, no, you're 17. He's just going to get you pregnant and run away. And she got pregnant and he ran away. Then I love the next guy. He's not saved. What are you doing? You're a single mother. I oh, know I need a dad for my child. And then hooks up with a non-believer. Got two more babies and then ran away. You're like, oh my goodness. Just stick to the path. The word of God is your path. Just stick to that path and you won't have all these problems. I can think of another person. We baptized her. We mentored her. And again, I was desperate and she hooked up with a guy at work. And we were like, lovely guy, genuine guy, hardworking but he's not saved. He's going to break your heart. Two kids later, broken heart. Another guy, another kid, broken heart. Third guy, two more kids, not a believer. And you're like, just why? <laughs> you're making heartache for yourself and you're causing the problems for your kids as well. Just stick to God's word. And it's not easy. You'll find the man or the woman that you, you need if you just stick to... to um, his word. So, am I being a bit harder? <laughs> Ouchie. Um, see, what we need is someone who loves us enough to speak truth into my life. Okay? So, I'm going to be, we, we're about real and transparency here. And uh, really told Dylan this. So, I got saved at 21. And uh, been a 21 old male. My story, working at the doors, working whatever. Yeah, I was, in, I was living in sin. I, I fornicated. For those of you who don't know, that's sex outside of marriage. Okay, That was a big word for me to find out as well. Fornicating. But, uh, and then I got saved. And I guess what? For the first year, I carried on fornicating. I was living in sin. Until my pastor, Pastor Theo Vormrantz, he said, you cannot rock and roll in nightclubs, get drunk, sleep around, and go, God knows my heart. He goes, yes, God does know your heart, and you're going straight to hell. I was like, I need to, uh, you know, I need to maybe change my ways. Um <laughs> But again, I was like, no. Uh, and um, yeah, so, and I was joking with Dylan because I said, <laughs> I wish I'd, you know, and he went, found out earlier. And I went, no, later, because I had a hot date that night. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, Paul, you, I'm going to rebuke you. 
<laughs> so he rebuked me. But um, I did, you know, it was like hard. As a single male, your hormones all over the place. I worked in a gym. And it was like, oh my goodness. And I was like, no. And then Gal and I got together. Gal and I got together. And it was Gal was, um, I said, we're going to do this marriage thing. You know, no, no fornicating. It was very hard for her, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't always look like this, okay? I had a, God, a body of a God. Now I've got an, a, bo- a body of another God, just Buddha. You know? <laughs> it went from Thor to Buddha. No, I'm joking. I'm lucky she's not here today. Otherwise, where's she hiding? She's going to give me a slap just now. <laughs> I'm washing dishes loads this week. And we've we got a dishwasher. She's going to make me do them by hand. So finally, oh, here we go. The Play-Doh time. This is what showed to me, okay? There's something, we have a spirit, a soul, and a body. Every time we sleep around, oh, I should have done this earlier. I should have been like, what's the blue pillar? This is what I've done earlier. If we, we, we sleep around, okay? We have something called soul ties. So we, this is your soul, this is your partner's soul, bam, and it gets mixed up. Then you break up. Then the next person comes along, and they've slept with somebody else, bam. And if you think about it, it just gets confusing. You, every time you sleep with somebody that's not your spouse, you get less and less of who you are. I'm not going to mess it because the children like this Play-Doh, the children's church. And, uh, but you can understand my, what I'm trying to say. I used to do it with paper. And you take the paper and you, you glue it together and then it dries. And then you tear the paper apart. And this piece of paper is still stuck to this piece of paper. Then you take another piece of paper and glue it and stick it. That's what we're doing. There was a study done where they looked at, uh, it's in America, and uh, they looked at different, um, regarding marriages that fail in divorce. And the more sexual partners you have, the higher the chance of divorce. And it it literally went up in increments. Back in the boomers, you know, the um, hippie stage, the Jesus revolution, it was like sex, drugs, and rock and roll. But when they actually interviewed them, the average person only had like three, four, sexual partners because before that it was like you got married and then had sex so for them it was like oh you've had four or five partners that's a long week at Blackpool nowadays let's be honest it is it's a long weekend at Blackpool now I was watching a podcast and this girl very proudly went my body count is 300 they're proud of it and they call it body count my body count is 300 what's yours mine's 50 oh I've got more than you it's like crazy and then you wonder why you, they can't get, find, settle down with a nice guy. And, and funny enough, it's, it's changed now. It used to be the guys. Now it's the ladies. Um, and they were showing that, um, I won't go down there. <laughs> Another study, no more studies. But it's just, all I'm saying is, if you want to have a happy life, the quality of your relationships, make sure single people, the um, reason I'm preaching this because we are a young church, we have a lot of young single people don't get so desperate that you're like you just, okay I'll just pick anybody wait, now another tip we always pray for the person that we want and God could have that person but they're waiting for the person you should be so start praying for the person you should be for your partner because we go and don't, don't look at the um, cosmetic stuff when the, when the kids were young I used to say there's five B's okay must be born again must be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then it's brains, body, and bucks. <laughs> but now, as you get older, you realize 
you know, body, especially I've got older, body doesn't count, otherwise I'd be in trouble. <laughs> so, but yeah, if you, if you stick to those things, you've got the same moral compass, the same values, and then, oops, sorry, glasses, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be finishing off on, uh, in a second, in a second, um, Nehemiah 8, verse 9 to 11. Don't, oh, you don't have to bring it up. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra, the priest of scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to the people, This is the day holy to the Lord. Do not mourn nor weep, for the people wept and they heard the word of the law. Okay? They wept when they heard the law, or they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go away, eat fat, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send the portions to those whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy. Do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord. Is your strength. That's our favorite song. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So what he's doing there, what you see there, Ezra says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. We need to get back to the place when when people read or hear the word of God, they are convicted and repent and weep. These people were grieving because they were made aware of their sin through the word and now repent and rejoice in God because of who he is and who he says you are. You are a new creation in Christ. Behold, all things have passed away. You, are no longer, you no longer need to be sad. You need to be glad. Because Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice for all of your sin. And then the rest of the story, the, the chapter, they actually gather in homes and learn and understand the word of God at a greater depth. And that's what we have available here at TLC. And then right at the end, the last bit of the chapter, there's the Feast of the tab- Tabernacles, the booth where they bring branches and leaves. And w- they still do it today. The Jewish people still do it today. Is that right, Sabine? Sabine? Yeah. And I, I had to look up the booth, the Feast of the Tabernacle and Feast of the Booth. And it's, uh, it's like a hut of branches and leaves, isn't it? And it's a reminder of God's deliverance out of Egypt. But then it's also a reminder and a, a memory to go, what is God going to do for my future? How is that more relevant for us today? He saved us out of Egypt. He saved us out of our sin all sin, okay, including myself. And then we then look at the future and go, Lord, I'm so excited. I've got this joy of the Lord now because I've got a greater and brighter future. Now you can come up. You guys can come up. I hope it wasn't too hard hitting, but as the worship team come up, I really feel like there are people here today and it was an amen and an ouch. And um, yeah, this is, I want to give you an opportunity to say, you know what? I've heard the word of the Lord like they did in Nehemiah. And I have been convicted. And I do want to weep. But I also want to rejoice. And I know that if I can come into Christ, he can turn my life around. And I've got a family here that will help me and walk alongside me, journey aside me, no matter what your sin is. If you're struggling with same-sex attraction, we can, we'll walk alongside you. The, Dylan's walking alongside people at the moment. I think you mentioned someone else that's coming along uh, who, who is same-sex attracted, and he's going to come and potentially come and talk on that, how he's decided to live a life of celibacy until the time the Lord completely heals him or, or whatever it is. But it's about, so if you're sitting there, there's no judgment, like I said. You're welcome, you're accepted, but we want to journey with you to that place where you can come into that booth and go, I'm now redeemed and I'm looking forward to the future that God has for me. Hmm. Jam it there.
Oh, are we doing joy of the Lord? Can we do that? Do you know how to do it? But if that's you, can we, while we sing in the joy of the Lord, you can, you can, uh, waiting, I need the music, I feel like an African church, dun, dun, dun. Where's, where's the keyboard there, Asha, come on up, and the Lord says, you bring out your snacks, bring out your snacks, and the Lord says, you need to repent, can't get help nowadays, can you? <laughs> Yeah, go for it.